The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hi, Christian, everyone. You are listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. This is your host, Nam Ras. I'm here with Sita Patidas. Sita Patidas, thank you for joining me. Hare Krishna, thanks for having me on the show. This is Param Gati, the uh, perfection of life. I've made it. <laughs> so, so uh, we're recording right now. We're not live. Uh, this is a very difficult, this was a very difficult situation for me, uh, a, deci- a difficult dis- decision for me to make regarding uh, doing this podcast. But I think that it's it's important that we hear the other side of the story of why someone would not want to take the vaccine. So uh, Sita Padidas here, he's um, well. Let, let him let's let hear from him about why uh, his background. First of all, tell us about where you are, where you um, you know what you've been doing lately, and and how you got in contact with devotees, really briefly, and then we can get into the uh, topic at hand. Sure. Well, first of all, Namras, I acknowledge your courage in having this conversation. Thanks. You know, it's a it, it's a difficult, um, as you say, time, challenging. Yes. And you know, it's courageous, and and I really acknowledge you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I uh, I first met the devotees in 1996 during the Prabhupada Centennial Marathon. Oh, nice. Um, I was looking for the Bhagavad Gita, and I was looking for a guru because I was practicing yoga. Read all the books I could find on yoga, and what was left was all yoga comes from Bhagavad Gita. Uh, in order to progress, you need to have a spiritual master, and when the student is ready, the guru will appear. Right. So I went on a pilgrimage, traveled around New Zealand where I was living at the time, looking for Bhagavad Gita and a guru, and I was just thinking in my head, what is a guru? Anyway, I'm down in the South Island, and this tall American monk in orange robes walks up to me with this Bhagavad Gita in his hand and goes, hey, we're just showing people this book today, Bhagavad Gita. And I'm like, I'm looking for that book. I'll take it. And then got it from him, you know, (laughs) gave him five bucks for it. And he wanted to talk to me more, you know, and I was just thinking, I got to find a guru. All these people just keep like, you know, wanting to distract me. And I was like, hey, listen, uh, great talking to you and everything, but I'm kind of busy right now. I got to go. And then I bounced. And then I ended up with the Bhagavad Gita. Got back home after a couple of weeks and was like, what happened? I didn't find a guru, but I got the Gita. So I started reading it. And it was like when I got into the fourth chapter that I realized that the qualification of the disciple is that they can actually recognize who is a guru. Like there's a qualification that you need as a disciple. Yeah. And uh, I was just walking down town nearby my house, saw the sign said, you know, vegetarian food, the loft, Broadway spiritual center, went in there started eating vegetarian food there. I saw they had a Bhagavad Gita class there. I was like, hey, I got this book. Went to the Bhagavad Gita class. That American monk rolls up there, you know, one week shortly afterwards, Bhakti Siddhanta Swami, oh, and uh, nice. leads Kirtan there. Nice. And then uh, then they were like, oh, David Rita Swami is coming. He's going to give this Gita class. And I bought the Bhagavatam by that stage and started chanting. Wow. And um, I started chanting because I was like eating there. I was reading the books. I was hanging around. Someone was there chanting. And I was like, well, I'm doing everything else they're doing. I might as well try that too. (laughs) And so I walk into this uh, Gita class. And at the time I was a yogi. So I was sitting on the floor wearing my hemp pants, you know, shaved head. 
And um, some guy walks in and is like, are you giving the class? I'm like, no, I'm not giving the class. And, and then this lady walks in Nasari, never seen anyone in Nasari before. And then Dave and Rita Swami comes in. The lady in Nasari gets up, falls down on her face on the ground. And I'm like, I guess he's giving the class. <laughs> and then he just gave this class. He said, what is good? And it was like about eight people there, eight or nine people. And it was like an hour long discussion and it was like an MMA match. It was like him versus eight people, you know? And he was like, he had everything. He had sociology, philosophy, political science, like the whole thing, just handling everything. And then ended with a Gita verse. Then everyone goes out of the room. It's just he and I left. And then, you know, one of the devotees who did service at Loft came in and goes, oh, this is, you know, the guy that, that I was telling about. He's like, I know. And then, and then they went out and then I just said to him, you know, if what you say is true, then there is nothing to do in this world except to tell people about Krishna. And he said, yes, that is what you should do. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I found my guru. <laughs> wow. Amazing. So that's how that happened. Nice. nice. And that was like you... 97. Okay. So, so let's talk, you know, the last, you know, 18 months or whatever has been really difficult for everyone uh, regarding the whole situation in the world and things like that. So, I guess my first question would be like, who are you to be speaking on this topic? Not to sound rude, but who are you, like, what is your qualification to speak on this, uh, you know, the, the vaccine and the injection when you don't have a medical background? Okay. That's a great question. Um, and you know, one of the things that just to speak just to that first point that you made, like super difficult time that we're in right now. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I met the devotees and read Prabhupada's books starting in 97 and just like immersed myself in them because in my own experience of life, that has been like the perfect preparation for what we're going through right now. Mm. One of the things that I got from the Bhagavatam is that, you know, there's perfect questions, perfect answers. Questions themselves come from a particular context. So even to ask the question, like, what is your qualification to speak on something? That question itself comes from a particular context. I mean, I'm a human being, I'm a devotee, you know, but kind of implicit in that question, what's your qualification to speak about vaccines and medicine, that kind of thing, is this idea that things should be evaluated based on the qualification of the person rather than what they say. But that's that, and that as an epistemological, you know, epistemology as praman or how we know things, yeah, is um, expert testimony, like hearing from authorities, which in is you know in the guru, um, sadhu shastra is part of the you know um, no it's uh, pratyaksha anuman and shabda it's part of shabda or hearing, but that's not actually a scientific um, epistemology like. If you have a look at Einstein's theory of relativity or Isaac Newton's equations about gravity, we don't care about what, like what's Einstein's qualification to present his theory of relativity. He was like a clerk working in the Swiss patents office at the time. But in science, things are evaluated on the, their actual merits rather than who says it. Right. And so, I mean, for most human beings, they don't have the time or the inclination to go and examine actual data and details themselves. So they do a shortcut version, which is, let me hear from someone who should know the answer to this. 
And then, you know, I'll just take whatever they say. Then I don't have to do the work myself. Um, But that's not how science actually works. And, you know, the scientific revolution that took place in in the, it was at the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Renaissance that happened around the world. They went away from the hearing from authorities to doing actual science with the scientific method. So, I mean, if, if you, if you're approaching this, like who, who is this person and what's his qualification to speak on it, you're going to miss the whole thing because What's your qualification to make decisions about things that are important for you and your life and your family? You know, that's really what happens when you're asking that question, you know, in the back of your mind is going to be that. What's my qualification to make a decision about what's important for me, my life, and my family? I don't have one. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Listen, you may not be able to understand all of science as it is now, but when they started science, it was possible for a single person to know everything that there was to know at the time. Now, you can't do that now, but you can take the scientific method and apply it to any area of life and gain an understanding of that. So you can take the scientific method and apply it to um, you know the problem that we're facing now, making decisions about medical um, you know treatments. Should I take it? Should I not take it? Right. And come to some conclusion for yourself. So if I was to say that I have any qualification to speak about this, I've just done that work for myself. Right. And you might come to a different conclusion if you do it. But what I want people to get from this conversation is I want them to see a human being who has done that. And then that they can see that a human being can do that and you can do it too. And I don't know what conclusion you'll come to out of it. I'll share mine. But the most important thing is the method. So you're saying, so you're saying that the merit should be based upon what the person's saying rather than the uh, qualification of the person. Well, who the person is. Yeah. Right. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Shudras speak about, they can, they can speak um, something that Krishna says out of the Gita and then that's perfect. But you can't say that, well, this person, you know, what is their qualification? Therefore what they said is nonsense. What does Chanakya Pandit say? He says one should accept gold from a filthy place, a wife from an unworthy fa- a worthy wife from an unworthy family, and wise words even from a fool. Right. Hmm. Okay. So um, yeah, I mean, so then it, it, it what we've been hearing lately is that uh, from the GBC SPT is that okay there are all these qualified doctors. And they are saying that they we should uh, take the vaccine. So, why would someone as a devotee try to be like, "Oh, I'm not sure"? When these are devotees telling you, these are people we care about. These are people we respect. Telling sure, us to do so, this. Yeah, I get it. Look, um, I think the 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 issue there for me is that you're conflating two different epistemologies there. One is the epistemology of the authority that comes from the scientific method, like medicine, doctors, science, you know? Tell us uh, w- brief- briefly what epistemology is for those listening. Yeah, so epistemology is um, how we arrive at knowledge. So there's like knowledge, which is content, like things that we know. But more fundamentally to that than that philosophically is how do you arrive at valid knowledge? And in any commentary on Vedanta, it begins with 
you know, the epistemology, like what are valid means of knowing? Right. And so in the scientific method, the valid ways of knowing are pratyaksha or direct empirical observation and anuman, logical inference. So you create hypotheses, you do experiments to validate whether the hypothesis, you know, accounts for the observations. And hypotheses are evaluated based on their explanatory power and their predictive power. That's the scientific method. And then, you know, in there's a third level, which is um, Shabda, or hearing from authorities. And in Jiva Goswami's Tattva Sandarbha, he breaks that down into a number of different hearing from, you know, things your parents told you, things that everyone knows, you know, the wisdom of the village, that kind of thing. Right. And Krishna talks to Nanda Maharaj about that in the Govardhan Puja Leela. You know, he says, uh, they're doing the, the Puja to Indra, and Krishna says, where'd you get this from? Is this like based on some kind of scripture, or is it just something that, you know, everybody kind of knows? Why are we doing this? Right. <laughs> and then Krishna says, like, you know, because um, Nanda Maharaj is like, well, everyone knows this, you know? And Krishna says, listen, people who do things because everyone knows it and they don't actually understand what they're doing, they don't get the result that they're out to get. And that's <laughs> like an argument against like just doing what everybody says you should do. Right. So the conflation that's happening here is you're taking the authoritativeness of the scientific method, like the scientific method does produce very powerful results in the material world. But now what you're doing is instead of using the scientific method, you're now turning it into like a religion, like a priestly class, and saying we should now hear from the authorities. But that's never been the method of science. The method of science is here's a reproducible experiment that you can do yourself to validate the results, not that you believe what someone else says. Once you get into believing what someone else says, you're in a different domain. You're no longer in a scientific domain. Right. You know, like the, the mantra, trust the science. It's literally the most unscientific thing I've ever heard. There's no trust the science in science. Science is based on right. skepticism and doubt, right. uncertainty, you know, <laughs> testing things, not trusting things. Trusting and believing is a religious epistemology. So you've mashed two things together. Yes, I will accept authoritative testimony when it's based on guru, sadhu, and shastra, but I'm not going to accept authoritative testimony based on, you know, from the scientists. Prabhupada had a lot to say about that. Mm. So that leads me to believe or that that the the common you know narrative right now of of uh you know be compassionate to others and to take the vaccine you're not what is your view on that Well um just before we go to that I just want to make the point that I'm not saying that the conclusion that they arrive at through that mechanism is incorrect you know per se you can right. You can arrive at the right conclusion through a wrong process and you can have a right conclusion and then give some backward reasoning that, you know, doesn't actually support it. I would just say that that is not an authoritative way of knowing what you've presented. Like we should believe what these people say. And, you know, we can unpack the defects, you know, involved in that chain of um, valid reasoning for knowledge there. Um, or we can go to, uh, your next question, which no, was... No, no, go, no, go for it. Go for it. Oh, sure. So, I mean, 
One of the things in authoritative testimony is, you know, you got like the defects of the conditioned living entity, the tendency to cheat imperfect senses, the tendency to make mistakes, tendency to be an illusion. I mean, all of those things are there. Right. And the scientific method tries to rule those things out, you know, by eliminating the sources that they come in through in experimental design. Um, and then there's another, there's another thing, which is deception. And fundamentally, you can have two different hypotheses about the world in any situation. Everything is exactly the way that it seems to be and can just be accepted on its face value. or there is this thing called deception, which is like an, you know, from from like a atheistic scientific perspective, they would say it's like an evolutionary strategy. But it just exists. We all know that, right? Deception it gives you an advantage in a lot of situations. So deception exists, and how do you control for deception? You know, like my wife was initiated by Kirtan and Underswami back in the day, right? And I've spent a lot of time talking with her about like, how did things go the way they did and how did they not get detected and what were people thinking and how were they acting at the time? Like looking into that, like to see how do people get, how do people go? Like, I was like my wife, she's like, she's like, looking back at it now, it seems crazy. I don't know how I went along with that. You know, it's so obvious now. And I was right. like, okay, I can get that. But what I really want to know is. How did it happen? And how do you stop that from happening while it's happening? And I mean, the first place you have to start with from is accepting that deception is a thing. And whenever you are gathering knowledge or information about the world, you have to control for deception. You have to control for it. And then if you're going to accept authoritative testimony from, you know, doctors or whoever, you need to control for where did they get the knowledge from? So you go back to the primary source. Like my son, when he was in school, um, he's now, he's about to turn 19 now, but when he was like about eight years old, they were like, the, the teachers were like, you can't use Wikipedia because anybody can update it. They could put anything in there. Right. And I said, they're not teaching epistemology because Wikipedia's policy is it can contain no original research. It can only have links to, you know, external sources. So you go through the Wikipedia article, it's like an aggregator, you go back to the original source, then you evaluate that source itself. Right. See, what most people don't know about facts in the scientific method is that they are a vector. So they have two components to them. Just interrupt me at any point, because I can talk for like forever, right? No, no, I'm just taking it in. Yeah, so facts are a vector. There is a piece of knowledge, and then attached to that knowledge is an assessment of certainty of like, how certain are we that this knowledge is true? What's its probability of veracity? And I, um, when you, when you say we have to control, we have to control for deception. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So it's a, it's an idea for, um, experimental design is you have to control for the effect of particular variables or factors. Right. So controlling for deception would be like, um, for example, let's just take mainstream news, right? Any mainstream news source, let's say CNN.com. So you can have a theory about CNN.com that everything that's printed on there is true and you should just accept it as it is. Or you may develop a more sophisticated theory of CNN that it has a particular economic structure and it serves a particular political interest, um, you know, that it serves to advance, which right. is like, 
any business does that. It advances the interests of the owners, right? Yeah. Um, it would be unethical if it didn't. But it, they obviously don't make that like super well known, right? Right. right. It, it, it occurs because to most people, people like it's. There are people that think that everything on CNN is true. Yeah, they think they they basically conceive of it like an altruistic public service. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know that's what they that's what they think it is. But it's yeah. it's a for profit business owned by people who own other businesses. And if I was a business owner and I had CNN. I'd be an idiot if I wasn't using CNN to advance my other businesses' interests. I'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they are. So in order for you to control for the veracity of CNN or to develop a more sophisticated theory about what its particular agenda and biases and, and, and um, slant is, you would go through and you would take any story that you get there and then you would go to the primary sources and research it as deeply as you can to find out how closely their presentation corresponds to what you can find out from other sources. Right. And then in that way, you would start to develop a more sophisticated theory about, you know, CNN and the information that comes from CNN. So you would have the information that comes from CNN plus some kind of evaluation of its veracity, probability of being true. And I got real clear on this. I, I went to a, um, a PhD summer school in Greece in 2012. And it, we were doing projects around semantic web. They brought a scientist from IBM and he was one of the guys who worked on Jeopardy. So they put an artificial intelligence called Watson into the Jeopardy competition against the human grandmaster. And the ro I think the robot won in the end. They downloaded tons of the internet onto the computer. It didn't have an internet connection. They downloaded all Wikipedia, heaps of other stuff. And he said they had seven different algorithm pipelines for getting an answer. Now, the robot can always press the button faster than the human can. But right. in Jeopardy, if you get the wrong answer, you lose points. So he said the most difficult thing for them to do, they could generate an answer like, like that. Right. But the most difficult thing for them to do was to program the computer for the computer to go, you know what? I'm not sure if this is the answer. Like, I'm 30% sure or I'm 80% sure that this is the correct answer. That's what I mean when I say that information is a vector. So if you give me that information, you know, so the doctors, you know, the devotee doctors say X, Y, Z, that's the information. But what is the probability that that information is correct? If you don't have any kind of sophisticated reasoning about epistemology, it's either 100% or 0%, right? And then yeah. you're going to divide into two teams, the people who are like, it's the honest to God, absolute truth, believe it. And then right. the others who are like, it's false, it's fake news. And then you're kind of like, you got to pick one, you got to flip a coin and choose one or the other, you know? You know? Yeah, that's the, that's the issue. That's the struggle right now for everyone, or at least people that I, devotees that I know, because so, on one hand, the, the devotee, the de leaders are telling us a certain thing. That okay, this is saved. This is what we should do. To, you know, this is what all devotees should do. And then mm -hmm. there's the other side where it's, you know, maybe we should question. Maybe we should be a little bit skeptical. That's that's what, what the problem where the problem lies. I think. If you were being scientific, you would start with skepticism. So if people said trust the science, it should be trust the scientific method. That's actually scientific. Trust the scientific method. Let's apply right. the scientific method to it. Okay, we have a hypothesis or we have a statement of a hypothesis. I don't care who these people are. 
their qualifications are meaningless to me because I can find other doctors who'll say something completely different. But okay, they have made a statement of a, hypo a hypothetical statement. And Prabhupada starts the Gita like that. He says, the way of understanding the Bhagavad Gita is given in the Gita itself. Arjuna accepts Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So while reading this book, one should at least theoretically accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's saying that just take it on as a hypothesis and see where it takes you. When I read that in his introduction, I was like, yo, I can do this. He's not saying like, you got to believe that Krishna is God or otherwise, you know, you're going to hell in this book. You won't understand. No, he's like, just theoretically, hypothetically try it on, see what yeah. happens. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, let me test it. So, okay, that's their, that's their assertion. That's their hypothesis. Now you have to design experiments to test that hypothesis or go to, you know, find experiments that have been done, analyze data to see, is it actually supported by the evidence? But you have to start from that position of skepticism. Otherwise, you're not doing science. You're doing religious belief. Right. And I will believe things that are supported by Shastra. And these statements about the vaccine are supposedly made on the basis of science. They're not Shastric. So therefore, they don't get a free pass. So, okay, make the hypothesis, then do experiments. Experiments have been, experiments have been done. Yeah. Successfully. So yeah, so, you know, now what you need to do is you need to look at experimental design to see, like, okay, what experiments have been done? How are they designed? What kind of results did they produce? You know, like, this is if we're doing science, right? Yeah. And people are just like, oh, I don't have time for this. You know, I, I don't have the mental that. space. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to, so most people don't have time for this, so we're going to put our faith in the you know the devotees that are telling us to do to do this yeah it's a, it's a social heuristic that human beings use as a shortcut if most people are doing it it's probably going to be safe right because i'm in the middle of the herd so it's unlikely you know that everyone will get wiped out <laughs> that's basically how humans think you know social <laughs> animals right yeah <laughs> like um the, st <clears throat> the stakes are pretty high though the stakes are pretty high. I did, I did the thinking and the looking for myself, you know, and I started from looking at, this is at the very beginning of the pandemic, 2020. I flew through China in February and then I went into Europe and then I flew back through Dubai and the world was shutting down and I was watching it happen. Yeah. And I was like, um, this doesn't look good. And I got back to Australia, you know, and I was like, it's one of two things. It's either a legitimate pandemic with a medical risk, zombie apocalypse style thing, you know, the plague, which is going to be a big problem, yeah. you know, because it's going to cause flow on economic and political effects, or it's the descent of totalitarianism. It's one of those two things. Like those were my two major hypotheses. It's either a legitimate pandemic or it's this descent of totalitarianism. But I was like, in either case, um, my best example that I have for something like this is the world in the 1930s with the Great Depression, because the economic effects of this are going to be similar to the Great Depression, because these economies are shutting down. Anything yeah. that can shut down the world economy is either an engineered economic crisis, like the 30s was, because there was no meteorite that hit the earth. There was no massive plague that wiped out heaps of people. 
you know, the 1930s, suddenly this Great Depression, and then next thing that happened, there's a world war, right? So I'm like, probably what's going to happen now is a depression and a war. And since we're living in Australia, like what I know from history is that the only reason that we speak English here and that we live here is because the Americans needed Australia, you know, to get to Japan. But otherwise, we're on the edge of Asia here. So this political situation here is going to completely transform. Mm. So I, I was like, I had that. And then both my wife and my son needed the hospital because, you know, our son has type 1 diabetes. And so, you know, he like is at the hospital every three months. And then sometimes if anything goes wrong with his control, I've got to take him in there. So I was like, I need to do like a full on risk assessment here. And I need to actually get to the source of this because like, it's real easy to just roll through your life and be like, my life doesn't really depend on this. Like I can just do these things and there's no consequences. Ultimately, we are not the body. We are the spirit soul. We're immortal, eternal, indestructible, beginningless. And we temporarily experience being in these bodies. And then when you're identifying with the body and the bodies of your family members and something happens to your child or to your partner, and it's a life-threatening situation, then you kind of like go into this place where you're like, I will do anything to keep them alive right now. Yeah. And people have been thrown into that mindset, right? And then given a solution to it, like you should take the vaccine because that will keep you and your loved ones alive. Right. But I've had the experience in my life multiple times of having to make critical decisions about medical care and do analyses of like, okay, what are the risks, the benefits? What happens if we do do this treatment? What's the percentage chance? of it succeeding? What's the percentage chance of it failing? Okay, if it fails, what are the negative consequences that can happen? X, Y, and Z. What are the percentage chances of X? What are the percentage chances of Y? And what are the percentage chances of Z? Then I flatten all of that down. You know, the doctor tells me what he knows. And sometimes I'm like, okay, this guy doesn't even know. Then I'll go away and research it myself, dig into it deeper, read some scientific papers about it, find out some studies, meta studies. Then I make the whole risk analysis assessment. And then I go, okay, we're going to do treatment A. So I've done that multiple times in my life. And then when this whole thing started to happen, I just applied exactly the same thing. The news was coming out of CNN, you know, 20 doctors have died in Italy. 40 doctors have died in Italy. 60, 100 doctors have died in Italy fighting COVID. I was like, dude, this if this is actually what this thing is doing, when it gets here, it's going to burn through this place like wildfire. Like, where do we need to move? What do we need to do? Right. So I wrote to the journalists at CNN, said, where are you getting these numbers from? And no, no reply. So I did the research myself, found out where the numbers come from. They came from the website of the Italian Physicians Association. It's in Italian, but the numbers were on there and they were just going up all the time but they had all the names of the doctors who had died. So I started researching the doctors who were on the list and they were like pediatricians, podiatrists, people who do feet, dental technicians. I was like, this is kind of weird. I can see an ER technician dying from COVID, fighting COVID on the front line, but a foot doctor or a dental technician. So I dig further and I find out that it's actually just a list of all of the members of the association of all time who have died during the COVID pandemic, whose death can in some way be attributed to the COVID pandemic. You know, there's like Luciano Rivera, who's in like 96. He retired in 1992 and his last role was teaching pediatrics at a university. He's in a retirement home. 96-year-old guy dies, however he died from whatever, 
you know, but on the death certificate it says COVID-19 and he becomes another statistic in the narrative of 120 Italian doctors have died fighting COVID. Once I read that, I was like, okay, you know, this gives me um, an assessment of the accuracy and the bias of the information that I'm receiving from CNN. And I just continued to do that over and over again with everything. Statistics come out about people dying from COVID. I'm like, how are these statistics collected? What is the experimental design? And not like just listening. I, I would listen to people, you know, come out with their conspiracy theory or whatever. Yeah. And then I'd be like, okay, it's a hypothesis. Let me check. And then I would like dive all the way down to the primary sources, disprove things, discover things, prove things. You're, you're just, I would say to push back on that, you're, com mm -hmm. you're making it too complex. Like you were like, how far does the rabbit hole go? You, it can go as you can go, as, you know, it just goes, you can just keep going. So there has to be like, to, to simplify everything, like who, then who do we trust if, or who do we trust if, 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 okay, you, you come across some information and most of it is going to, if you follow it back down, most of it's going to be like, okay, it's, it's uh, either staged or changed or modified, whatever. Trust no one. Don't even trust yourself. Wake up every morning and go, I'm in the material energy and I've been captivated by Maya. And how has Maya taken control of my mind and my senses? Right. I mean, I, once I started looking into it, I, I, I basically stopped trusting anyone or anything. Everything was now up for grabs, you know, because I realized I'd been living my life trusting in the material energy and the manifestation manifestations of the material energy. And I'd, be, I'd fallen into illusion. You know, I was living, uh, uh, you know, I had, I had medical challenges that I had to deal with. And I called upon Krishna in those times and experienced like the helplessness, like Queen Kunti prays for. But otherwise, you know, living in Australia, the economy's good, you know, have a job. It's like, you know, oh, you know, Prabhupada said that they didn't go to the moon, but you know, whatever. You know, he said that, you know, the, the scientists are rascals and cheaters, but, you know. Anyway, I like doing kirtan and eating prashadam, so let's just keep doing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was kind of like, but yeah, you know, science has produced like the iPhone and the, the Zoom and everything and the internet. It's pretty cool so that they kind of know something of what they're doing. Anyway, when this happened, I went to like zero trust and everything. From first principles, we have to reestablish everything again. Started questioning everything. And, um, you know, I, I, once I realized that the closest analog I have to what's happening right now is the preconditions of the Great Depression of the 1930s, which was followed by the 40s. That means we're at risk of like um, basically being absorbed into Asia as part of a Chinese hegemonic sphere in this part of the world. I was like, let me go back to World War II and have a look in detail at like the preconditions and what happened and see what other parallels I can draw between the two. I, I went back and started researching it and looking into it and suddenly lots of things that Prabhupada had said about the second world war that i'd always kind of been like okay another thing that Prabhupada said that kind of put it into the you know the let's not worry about that basket <laughs> suddenly i was like dude this guy is onto it man this guy is woke like <laughs> this guy is conspiracy level nine thousand, man <laughs> like Prabhupada is like you know 
But see, yeah, I, I, I like you're you're using your imperfect senses to research mm-hmm. something. So so you can take it any way, like whatever way your senses or whatever your mind says to to which way you think it's gonna go. That's where it's gonna go. It doesn't mean it's like. What I'm trying to say is that whatever research you do is going to be imperfect. Yeah. So, Nam, here's what you just did. You basically just said, I'm an idiot. I have no idea what's going on. Okay. I got it, right? <laughs> sure. We can take that position. <laughs> but if your, next, if your next statement is, therefore, I should surrender to some authority, all I can say is, bro, you're an idiot. You have no <laughs> idea who you should surrender to. If you don't trust yourself at that most fundamental level, you have nothing. And I do say that you shouldn't even trust yourself, but in the sense that you should wake up every day and just go, is this world even real? I have an experience that I'm in this body and that there's a field of experience of the senses and I have memories of yesterday, but was I even in this body yesterday? I have no way of knowing that. Right. All I know is that I seem to be having an experience right now. That's literally all we can know. Like with certainty. And then there's this world and it has stuff in it. And some of the stuff in it is like the Shastra, Bhagavad Gita, like these conversations, the Maha Mantra. These things are in this field of experience in front of me. Right. Yeah, I, I, am, I am kind of saying, okay, you don't know. And so therefore you should surrender. Because who, that's what. To who? How do you decide who to surrender to if you, if you don't know? This is why this argument that you're stupid, you should surrender to the authorities is a self-own. Because if you are too stupid to discriminate, it means that since deception exists, the very next move that I will make is I will deceive you. Mm. And part of the deception is to tell you that you can't trust yourself. As soon as someone says that to me, I'm just like, Kirtan Anandaswamy in the house. And I don't mean that about like the person Kirtan Anandaswamy. Right. Peace be upon him a great devotee of, uh, you know, Krishna Prabhupada. and yeah. disciple of Prabhupada yeah. from, from the early days. But what happened and what went wrong in the organization? It fundamentally comes from, you cannot trust yourself, you must surrender. As soon as someone says that to me, I'm like, my son is not going anywhere near you or any organization that you run. He stays with me and I'm taking care of him. That's just how I am about that, you know? Right. Like okay, as soon as people start more- preaching that, but if for a more simple devotee, I'm not saying you're not simple. I'm saying for a more simple-minded devotee, when when it, when a society and is the their spiritual society that that they trust, they're mm-hmm. they're uh, you know, they tell you this is why you should take this because X Y Z. We're going to write a paper about it. We have twelve doctors. We're all devotees who told you're, us, you're, yeah, who told us, you're, and these spiritual leaders. All these spiritual leaders who we all really trust and we love have told us we should take it. You're offside. You're no longer operating on the basis of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. Here's what we can say authoritatively as devotees of Krishna, that you are not the body. You are the spirit soul within the body. Just like you put clothes on each day and change them, you change your body during this lifetime, and then you go into another body after death. 
The duration of your life is a function of your karma, and no one can extend his life even for a moment by any mundane scientific means. The best use of the human form of life is self-realization, where you can realize your identity as part and parcel of the Supreme Brahman. Qualitatively equal, but quantitatively distinct and inferior, and re-establish that relationship through the Yuga Dharma of chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Bus. Now, if we want to start talking about medical procedures and things, we're no longer in the domain of Guru Sadhu and Shastra. We can't, and we can't make a, a claim in that domain on the basis of spiritual authority. We're now in the realm of empirical science. Right. And if you don't have time to do empirical science, then that's okay, but it's important to do it now. I mean, I would start from the skeptical position and analyze it. And, you know, here are some red flag warning signs for me. Um, the fact that the society, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, has taken a position on this matter, which is outside the realm of our domain of authority. And it has taken a position that looks exactly like the surrounding society, which is operating on an atheistic principle. And Prabhupada explains that there are three types of people in the world. There are the demons, the devotees, and the innocent people, the general mass. And the innocent people will follow whoever's in power at the time. If the demons are in power, they follow them. If the devotees are in power, they follow them. The devotees are not in power right now. So what does that tell you? You can do the simple maths on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, then, and then we are promoting something that is being promoted outside. Even if it is true, even if it were true about the vaccine, we have no business saying that. Yeah. Nobody ever came out and said, you know, take Panadol. You know, why I decided that taking Panadol was the right decision for my headache. I don't care. You know, keep your opinions about your medical thing in your own personal capacity, not as an official position of the society. And then as a Brahminical society, we should be talking about epistemology, taking people back to the Shastra and empowering people to be independently thoughtful Brahminas, not telling them that they are stupid Shudras and should surrender to mundane authorities. We're not even teaching people to practice science. Right, we're not asking to, them to practice science because when once you say trust and faith, then it's not in scientific method. No, you know, in, in the mid two thousands, I was working in a U.S. software company, and they were super into e evolution. These guys, you know, so I'm in the office, you know, giving all the prolpad arguments straight out of the bug of a time, you know. <laughs> anyway, this guy just goes to me. I don't think you actually understand evolution. And I was like, "What do you mean?" So he explained something to me, and I was like, I did not know that. He talked about ring species of gulls around the Arctic Circle. And I just remembered Brahmana and Vaishnava by Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. You know, he, Bhakti Vinod Thakur was invited to a debate in Vrindavan between the Brahmanas, the caste Brahmanas, smarta Brahmanas, and the Vaishnavas, you know, to establish this point that Vaishnav is not dependent on birth, jata, but is, you know, you know, and, and, one can become a Vaishnav and that's superior to a Brahmana. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur was like, ah, oh, I got a cough. I got the COVID or whatever, you know, the flu. I'm not going. 
you go to his son. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. So he wrote an essay, Brahmana and Vaishnav, two halves. In the first half of the essay, he wrote about Brahmanas, how glorious they are, all their qualifications based on the Shastra, like a whole thing. He went there and delivered it, and all the Brahmanas were like, whoa, dude, this guy is killing it. Like, man, I did not even know that. Like, he presented their position better than they did. They were like, dude, I'm so into this. And then he was like, and now Vaishnava. And then he presented a second part, right? So I was like, that is the Vedic way. Before you can um, refute your opponent's position, you must master it yourself. And so, you know, Mahaprabhu did it with the Prakashananda Saraswati. So this guy says, you don't understand evolution. I'm like, okay. So I went and read The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins, like got right into, into that whole thing to understand, you know, science and like how that evolutionary model and everything works. And there was a reason why I was sharing that, but I've forgotten what it was. Where do we come from before that? I was saying, um, I can't remember either. Yeah. I went too many levels deep in that one. I think it was when I went to Mahaprabhu with Prakashananda Saraswati. And I just remember him saying like, it's so clear when you read the verse, but your purports are like the clouds covering the sun. Right, right. <laughs> Um, when I, you know, when I hear you say things like, okay, we have to understand when we wake up, we have to understand, you know, we're not the body and things like that's very cliched. It's a very cliche thing to, you know, and, and I know that it's the truth, but, but, but when I talk to devotees about this, they say, you can't say these things at this moment because it just doesn't apply the same as it would when like, I guess, when things are okay and you know then you can say okay you're not the body thing but 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 i guess what i'm struggling what i'm struggling to understand is your position f like doing your own research and 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 um and trying to uh you know question authority and question and surrender you know, we all have to surrender to something so it's like Am I going to surrender to the Shastra, which is not really, really discussing you know, what I should, if I should take the vaccine or not, but to these devotees who are saying I should, who I should, it's easier to surrender the devotees. Is it not? Um, not for me, no, because this has nothing to do with being a devotee. That's not the, the claim of this is not on the basis of Guru Sadhu and Shastra. It doesn't start from you're not the body, and it doesn't end with you're not the body. It starts from, you know, be afraid of losing your body because you are the body. And here's something that you can take that will prevent you from losing the body. Listen, Arjuna is on the battlefield, confronted by his family on both sides. And at a certain point in there, he gets that he's actually the bad guy. Like, you know what? I've driven this kingdom to war and we're about to kill like everyone. There's no good way that this can go. And then Krishna tells him you're not the body. He doesn't tell him you're not the body when like they're just like chilling out and everything's all good. People are like, you know, oh, you can't talk about that now because it's a difficult time. Bro, this is what it's for. Prabhupada said that this Krishna consciousness movement will save humanity in its darkest hour this is what we've been training for this is why we're here 
you know, you want to have an independently thoughtful society of Brahmanas, they need to be saying that, you know, your claims that you're making are overstated. If nothing else. See, you you know, like in that, if you want to go to that um, letter, that position statement. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in that, there's that one point number five, which definitely is disqualified. Let me see if I can find my version of it. Position statement on COVID-19 vaccination by devotee doctors. Recommendations by medical devotee doctors affiliated with the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, ISKCON. Founder Acharya, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. So the undersigned can medical you, doctors... Can you, can you just uh, say where is this from again? I don't I know. know. I know I sent, I know it, to I sent it to you. I'm just trying to find it again. Sorry. I have it in um, the messaging app. Right. I'm just finding it. Okay. Uh, point number five. There is no, there's currently no evidence. Okay. Yes. Point number five. If anyone yeah. wants to refer to that, it's the, uh, the position statement of COVID-19 vaccination by devotee doctors. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So like, you know, even if you start at the top, it says as of April 12, 2021, 135.4 million people have been infected worldwide with 2.9 million deaths. Okay. So how are those statistics collected and constructed? That would be the first thing that you would examine, right? But that requires research. I'm going to just show you one thing here that requires no research. Point number five, there is currently no evidence that any of the COVID-19 vaccines cause fertility problems or alter DNA. This is a logical fallacy called argumentum ad ignorantium. And that is absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. There's no evidence that they have an impact on fertility. And there's no evidence that they don't. Mm. It's unknown. If you were going to be straight and truthful, satya, you know, the last leg of religion in Kali Yuga, you would say, we do not know what effect this has on fertility because we have not. And, and you know what, when they first started, that's what they were saying. They were saying, we do not recommend that women who are pregnant or breastfeeding take this vaccine because we have not done studies on its effect on pregnancy or on breastfeeding. And they haven't had time to do any kind of long-term longitudinal studies on the effects on fertility. Now, I'm not even talking about like, let's go into like possible mechanistic pathways in which it could affect fertility. I'm simply saying that the claims that they are making here, this is propaganda to say that. It is speech that is designed to address concerns that people might have that yeah. this has an effect on fertility, but it does not create the actual picture of the risk for people. It just tells them there's no evidence that it has any impact on it. And the idea there is that they are implying and they want you to think that it has no impact on it, but they do not know. I won't make a stronger statement than that, but you can find, if you go researching and looking for it, anecdotal reports of people saying that it is having an effect on that yeah. and that they're having difficulty getting that um, accurately recorded and reported in the like vaccine injury databases. But I'm not even going to go into that realm. 
of like that kind of empirical anecdotal research that you can do. I'm just going to say that that claim that is made there is not the speaking of a Brahmana. Because what is a speaking of a Brahmana? Well, I would speak the truth. I mean, they like for me that, in this whole thing, right. you know, the, the speaking of a Brahmana, Brahmanas are so powerful in their speaking because what they say has a one-to-one -one correspondence with reality. You know, even like Yudhisthira, who was known as the Brahmana amongst the kings, you know, he, he was on the battlefield of Kurukshetra and he said, you know, Ashvatthama, the elephant, has died. And because Dronacharya heard only the Ashvatthama has died, which was Yudhisthira's intent, Dronacharya immediately gave up his will to live and to fight because he knew without a shadow of doubt that everything that Yudhisthira said was the truth. It had a one-to-one -one correspondence with reality. And then because Yudhisthira did that, his chariot dropped to the ground. But, you know, speaking like this, what happens if, let's say if, it turns out that like thalidomide or DDT or cigarettes or asbestos or any number of examples from, you know, history or any one of the multi-billion dollar payouts that these medical manufacturers who are making these vaccines have had to make in the past. What happens if it turns out that there is an impact on fertility? And you've come out and you've spoken in this way to induce the devotees to act a particular way. What happens then? Nothing should have been said all, at all, in my opinion. Yeah, or you should just say the truth. We don't know. Not that you speak in such a way to manipulate people to act in a particular way. You know, we preach to people to get them to chant Hare Krishna, to get them to take to devotional service. Not to get them to perform some kind of mundane activity of an unknown risk. It is an unknown risk. The data has not, you know, the clinical, the, the phase three clinical trials don't finish for another couple of years. Right. There hasn't been large scale human trials of this thing. Like even going back to that first point that I pointed to earlier, breastfeeding and pregnant mothers. Oh, the other one was if you're intending to get pregnant within the next three months, don't, we don't recommend you take the vaccine because it has an unknown effect that has been unstudied. But now they're subtly shifting the conversation to like, oh, everyone should take it. It's perfectly fine. There's no evidence that it has any damage. There's no way you can, there's no way that you theoretically could tell because this has, simply hasn't been enough time to have done the study. And so as I see that conversation shifting over time, I'm like, this speaking is not the speaking of Brahmanas, you know? And yeah. My Guru Maharaj asked me to write a book about the moon landings in 99. And I wrote, I wrote a book about the Apollo moon landings based on Prabhupada's presentation that, you know, it's faked. Did the whole thing, got to the end and just went, dude, I'm not going to publish this book. I'm going to leave it because I can't establish, conclusively establish that they did do it. And it does look like a lot of the stuff has been faked, but I just can't get my head around that they could pull off something of such a mag magnitude, you know, and that so many people in the world would believe it. And I would be like the only one who's like, no, I don't believe it. But after watching what they are doing with this coronavirus pandemic narrative and the way they're manipulating the way people think, I'm like, 
yeah, the moon landing was faked. I don't know what and how exactly in the details, but watching them do the Italian doctors dying and then shifting the narrative around the vaccine, I'm like, nah, I don't trust them and I don't believe it anymore. If Prabhupada was right, it's the world of the cheaters and the cheated, and they are rascals. Hmm. So I'm not taking it because, you know, I'm not taking it simply because it's not truthful the way that they're speaking about it and they're trying to get me to do something through a deceptive means of doing it it's just yeah it, it's uh it's the it's a suric it's it's tamasic the method that's being used right do you want to address any of the other points um pick one if you, um you know as of april 12 7 781 million doses have been administered. And what is that meant to prove? COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. Serious side effects that would cause a long-term health problem are extremely unlikely following COVID-19 vaccination. There's just literally no way that you could know that because, you know, COVID-19 started last year, and then in the beginning of the year, they were like, oh, we don't know if we're going to be able to even create a vaccine because we've never been able to create a vaccine for a coronavirus in the past. I wrote an article back then saying, don't do the deep state's work for them because people were like, they're going to come out with this vaccine. They're going to force everyone to take it. They're going to bring in vaccine passports. I was like, bro, th th there's no vaccine. So why are you resisting mandatory vaccination? There's no vaccine. And they're saying that they might not even be able to make one. Yeah. So I wrote an article saying, stop talking about that. You know, you're just creating this conversation about it. But, you know, I kept that as one hypothetical model. And then it turns out that as a predictive model, that conspiracy theory has turned out to have greater predictive power than the official mainstream constantly changing narrative. You know, where it really landed for me was when I watched Event 201 which was the pandemic planning exercise that took place like literally months before it was in October, 2019. And it had the, the head of the CDC from the U S and the head of the CDC from China and people from, um, ANZ bank in Australia, Singapore airlines, Lufthansa all in a room together. And they were planning a scenario that looks exactly like the COVID-19 pandemic. And then I watched the whole thing through and there was a couple of things that came out of it for me. I watched it several times, all of the videos. The first one was that I saw the head of the Chinese CDC there, George Gao. And then at a certain point, he's like talking and interacting with the other participants. And I was expecting like an evil, you know, North Korean dictator kind of guy, you know, because the whole narrative in the beginning was like, China's not talking to us. They're not telling us what's happening. You know, it's all like this whole thing. He's just hanging out with them, talking about how they do it. And I'm like, are you telling me that this guy literally walks out of that meeting and then two months later, the exact thing that they planned for in this thing happens and he doesn't say anything to anyone that he just planned it with. And then everything that happens after that follows exactly the way that they planned it, even though they're not talking to each other. And then I was like, you know what? If I had ignored the news for the last three, four months, not watched anything that was happening there and made investments in the stock market based on watching this event 201 video, I would have made a killing because right. this event 201 thing has turned out to be an exact predictor of the future. I was like, that's some, that's some huge coincidence there. 
So, you know, you have two hypotheses. One hypothesis is that there is something going on and it involves deception. And then the other hypothesis is everything is exactly the way that it seems to be. And, you know, all the conspiracy theories are, the theorists are like whack jobs, you know? Yeah. Anyone who says that we didn't go to the moon or that scientists are rascals and we should kick in their face and that life doesn't come from chemicals and that you're not the body is a whack job extremist and should be, you know, put into a concentration camp or something. Right. Because that's literally where we're headed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's look at some other points from this paper. Um, it's not possible to con contract COVID-19 from any of the above mentioned vaccines. Um, I mean, I don't okay. want you, I don't want you, I don't want to put you on the spot and kind of address every single one, but no, that's okay. I mean, with this one here, I can actually go into some of the research that I've done in that area. Um, with the proviso that like Wikipedia, you know, don't trust anything that I say. Just listen to what I say and go, interesting hypothesis. Let me go and investigate it myself, you know? Or uh, let me listen to the devotee doctor. Yeah, and, and just and just accept anything that he says, right? <laughs> Here's the difference between me and that guy. I'm telling you not to believe anything. Right. And I'm telling you that that's science. That you don't believe anything that I say, but you take it as a hypothesis. One should hypothetically accept Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead and then do the experiment. You know, Prabhupada said Krishna consciousness is scientific. And some yeah. people are like, no, it's a belief system. No, it's not. And that's one of Prabhupada's greatest contributions to the world. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Don't believe everything, but whatever you do here, try to verify it somehow. Exactly. Like, okay, you tell me that this Hare Krishna mantra will, you know, produce these kind of results. Well, let me try it out and see what happens. Yeah. That's why you it's know, like, 100%. Param Drishtanavartate, I can share something about that. I, um, in, in my travels around the world, got addicted to nicotine. And I started it by chewing this nicotine gum because a guy at work was like, you know, it's, it increases your fine motor skills and your cognitive abilities. I'm like, okay, let me try that then. So I just chewed, you know, a little bit of it. And I was like, wow, I, my typing speed increased 15%. I changed my keyboard layout at work because I was programming, you know? And then I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so, you know, I got into it like that. And then later on in that Wikipedia article, it says, yeah, and by the way, it's more addictive than heroin. <laughs> so I started out cycling it, you know, like I'd take some and then I'd have like, you know, so many days on, so many days off like that. But then the physical dependency kicked in and then I was just like fully addicted. And the way that I broke that addiction from that was through the chanting of the Maha Mantra. You know, when I first met the devotees back in 96, 97, I gave up drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana by starting chanting Japa. So the way I did this was I started creating promises of chanting two rounds. Like I will chant two rounds in the next 15 minutes. And then doing that, I got it down to the point where I know I'm 100% reliable to chant two rounds of the Mahamantra in 10 minutes. So now with another devotee, I chant all my Japa like that. I create a promise. I will chant two rounds in the next 10 minutes. And then I chant those two rounds and then I stop and then I, you know, report back to that devotee and say, I kept my promise. And I just do that eight times and I've chanted 16 rounds. 
And as a householder, it works really well because my wife and my son now know that when I'm chanting, I cannot be interrupted because I have a vow of rata that must be fulfilled or destruction will ensue. Like It's like this vow will be fulfilled or I or the universe will be destroyed. And I cannot be interrupted and it's only going to be for 10 minutes. So if you really need anything in 10 minutes, you can get me, you know? So my japa has so much power now. It's fully uninterruptible. And it works with my life and the people around me. And I started doing that. And then, bam, nicotine was gone. Wow. It works. Param drishtinivartate. Yeah. Like, it's an experiment, you know? It's it, it, the, You do the experiment in the laboratory of your own life. I think the main thing that people are dealing with is like, you know, how can I counterattack and battle men who are worthy of my worship, like Bhishma and Drona? You know, even for devotees who are like, okay, there are some devotees who are just like, who really their their material nature is such that they're not thoughtful, you know, very deeply thoughtful. They're not going to do the research. It's just not their nature, you know. They're just right. like, look, I just want to know what to do, right? Right. And then amongst those devotees, some of them are like. Yeah, but I've got a bad feeling about this. Like, I feel like I'm being railroaded into something, you know? I yeah. read that statement that Guru said that Prabhupada took a vaccine, and so that's why he's doing it. But, you know, Prabhupada might have taken a vaccine, but he didn't write an article about it telling other people to take it. You know, Prabhupada took a vaccine, sure, but where's his why I decided getting vaccinated for the Hong Kong flu was the right decision for me? No, he didn't do that. So you're not following Prabhupada, you know? <laughs> it's like, and they're like, I just feel like I'm being railroaded into something. And like, you know, when my guru is saying the same thing as CNN, I'm kind of like, hang on a second, you know? Mm. Um, and so those devotees are like, how can I go against, you know, the authority structure? Because I've accepted these people as my authorities. But, you know, these statements are not on the basis of Guru Sadhu and Shastra, and you are not the body. It's better to meet destruction in the course of performing one's own duty than to perform the duty of another even perfectly. There is nothing to fear in death, you know. Krishna says to Arjuna that Masuchaha, do not fear. And then in this time, like, what would I do to keep myself safe? You know, you know, I'm taking zinc because some people say that zinc deficiency um, makes you susceptible to it. Um, making sure that I get enough sleep, vitamin D, getting out into the sun, exercising, all the kinds of things that you do to maintain a healthy immune system and chanting my japa with focused attention. Because I've never been more present to not just my own mortality and the mortality of the people around me, but just the nature of the material world as a prison house for the conditioned living entities. And it is not being run by Vaishnavas. Yeah. And if there was ever any group of people on this planet who have the literature that depicts what happens when demonic forces try to take over the earth, you know, like when Hiranyakashipu suppressed the worship of Vishnu on the surface of the earth as, as means of conquering it. You know, suppression of worship of the Supreme Person is a r big red flag and this is completely separate from vaccines and everything, but we're swimming in a, in a world right now which involves things like um, beginning to 
criminalize, first marginalize, then criminalize some of the things that Prabhupada said. Like Prabhupada said that we didn't go to the moon. Now you can be whatever way that you want to be about that, but you can't deny that Prabhupada said that. And you can say that, well, later he said we might have gone, we might have gone to somewhere else. But Prabhupada was straight up and said, nah, they're cheating. He had no problem saying that. And those statements exist and they are in the books and they're in his conversations. And we're on a, we're on a pathway right now to those kind of uh, claims or assertions being criminalized. Like you cannot question that. Like at the moment, you can't even question the official narrative about COVID. You can't question the official narrative about the vaccines. You know, this statement that we have here from the, the devotee doctors, you and I both know that there is some risk to our social reputation in even having a discussion about it. Because people will say, like, you want to kill people, you're putting people's lives at risk. I'll tell you what, we are not these bodies. And no one can extend his life by even a moment. And that does not mean that we will act, you know, irresponsibly. When I first became a devotee, I used to drive around with no seatbelt on. And I was like, oh, you know, it's karma, Prabhu. And then I drove my Guru Maharaja's car from one city to another and crashed it head on into another car with no seatbelt on. And my head went through the windscreen. And like 25 years later, you know, I'm still like, dealing with the like impact to my vertebrae and everything. Cause they were like, Oh, we'll take you to the hospital. I was like, now nah, I'm flying to Japan tomorrow, flew to Japan and had my arm in a sling and was in the temple in Tokyo. And then after two days was like, nah, I'm going on hurry Nam. And then just started playing Murdunga, you know? And now Gosh. I've still got the impact in my vertebrae and I wear an, a seatbelt every time <laughs> because, you know, I may not be the body, but I do have a responsibility to take care of it because it's uh, you know, a, not a government issued one, but it's a uh, it's a Krishna issued <laughs> piece of equipment. <laughs> right. It's deity. It's deity worship paraphernalia. You know. So you put it in a case. You have a stand for it. You know. When you put it down on the ground, it's on a thing. The whole thing. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that like I'm. I can be motivated by an argument that says you should be afraid of death. If you uh, if your argument rests on fear of death as it's one of its main motivating principles, you have gone astray. And if it ends with Say fear of death, Say that again. Yeah. If your argument begins from fear of death as one of its motivating axiomatic principles, and it ends with avoiding death as like its main purpose, you have gone astray. We've gone away from the message of Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. And there may be, you know, I don't tell people to wear a seatbelt. It's not my business as a preacher of Krishna consciousness to tell them to wear a seatbelt. You know, I tell them that you're not the body. I don't go out on Harinam and then, you know, we take a break between the chanting and I tell everyone, hey, you should wear a seatbelt. <laughs> you know, we take a break from the chanting and I say, why are we chanting? We're out here to make a bold declaration that God exists and he is a person. Right. That's that's the business. You know, this whole world is rushing into the jaws of death at every moment. Every atom in the universe is rushing into the jaws of death. That is the real problem of this world. You cannot stop sickness. Why are you even trying? And then we say, oh, it's so urgent that we must give up our civil liberties. 
We must give up our freedom of assembly, our freedom to worship. There should be no kirtan because it is so urgent because otherwise people will die. I'll tell you what, everyone is going to die. The kirtan should not be stopped under any circumstances. The only time I see kirtan being stopped is when Hiranyakashipu is trying to invade the earth or when the Chankazi is like, you know, trying to stop them from doing it. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu responds by doing more kirtan. So you think it's not the right thing? I mean, there's been there's been kirtans where uh, in the earlier times of COVID where kir- there was a kirtan and, and it's uh, spread COVID everywhere and a lot of people got sick. Well, that may or may not be true, right? I, from a skeptical position, I do not know without inspecting it. And even then, it would be difficult to fully control for causation and correlation. But even let us, let us just accept that that is true. Yeah. Right? Bhagav, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam 132. I was just reading it this morning where Prabhupada says, well, the verse itself says, let me pull it up here. Srimad Bhagavatam 132. It's in the purport. Um, Prabhupada, oh no, it's not 132. Anyway, I can't find it. But it's a verse in the Bhagavatam that says that um, Prabhupada in the purport says, as the Christian says, what profiteth it a man to gain the world if he loses his eternal soul? You know, it's in the, it's actually in that Bhagavad Gita verse that says on this path there's no loss or diminution. That's where it's found. You know that, okay, so you went to a kirtan and then you died. You know, well, guess what? According to our philosophy, according to our philosophy, the philosophy in Prabhupada's books, the one that the International Society for Krishna Consciousness exists to propagate in this world, as distinct from what you can get everywhere else, according to our, our philosophy from there, you're going to die. And you're going to die when the time is allotted for you to die. And our fervent desire is that we should be chanting the holy names and remembering Krishna when that happens. What are we going to do? We're going to stop all the kirtan and have no kirtan. And then what? People are going to live forever and, and remember Krishna somehow? Just this is like... Now we're not in a scientific thing anymore. I've like I've abandoned yeah. all that kind of thinking. This is the Luke Skywalker puts down his um thing, you know, and then they're like, Luke, you've turned off your targeting computer. What are you doing? And he's like, It's okay, you know. He's like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. There's only one Kenobi. Use the force, Luke. Right. This is that moment where you have to have this like connection to a mystical reality that's like, dude, we're in a simulation right now. This body that you're trying to protect, it's not you and it's not real and this whole world is not real. And what you're about to do is you're about to turn off the process of self-realization and reconnection for the human population on this planet. At the same time, that it is plainly obvious to anyone with two eyes in their head and a brain that's actually switched on as read Prabhupada's books, that there is some kind of overarching agenda being executed on this planet. And, you know, let's go like fully into the Bhagavatam. It's, a, it's an agenda that is antithetical to self-realization and to the execution of the Yuga Dharma. So, you know, 
What are we going to do? Sit in our bedrooms and do nothing? You know, we're scared to have this conversation because we might get in trouble. It's like, dude, we have bigger problems on this planet right now. I I, I don't know how to reply to some of your statements. <laughs> yeah, because you're probably going like, dude, this sounds like, uh, you know, like, okay, yeah, I read that too. No, no, it's, I'm, it sounds like, it sounds like what someone who is following the philosophy of Krishna consciousness would say, but what boggles my mind is that why is not, why aren't more people thinking like this or even why aren't our leaders and, and, and if our leaders are speaking like this, they're become, they're either being silenced or they're, or they're being kicked off their positions or yeah listen if i want to hear propaganda about why i should take the vaccine and how it's safe even though there hasn't been proper studies done and that you know there's no evidence that shows that it has any impact on fertility i don't need to go to the international society for christian consciousness for that nor do i expect to get it from there i can go to cnn i can go to you know news.com.au i can go to any state controlled or corporate controlled media outlet and they will program me with that 100%. Right. But what's missing for me is I am not getting the message of the Bhagavat from the leadership in the International Society for Krishna Consciousness right now and that is you know a cause of concern for me but Prabhupada said I I'll live forever in my books. Right. So I've been taking shelter more and more of like Prabhupada's purports and the Shastra and enchanting. Yeah. That's wow. a concern for me. And then, you know, the fact that there's no discussion about it and that it, it's indistinguishable from what I hear from other places. Whereas what you get from Prabhupada is this radical, radical presentation. No, we didn't go to the moon. And furthermore, the moon is further away than the sun. So they definitely didn't go. I'm like, dude, how do I deal with that? You know, when everybody else thinks that we went to the moon, you know, everybody thinks that it actually happened. Meanwhile, yeah. 50, 60, 70, whatever it is now, years later, since the 70s, so like 50 years later, everything that was around 50 years ago has like exponentially increased, but this, there's no people on the moon today. Apparently, we lost the technology that allows us to go to the moon. That was the last <laughs> thing I heard from NASA. Oh, we're going to go to Mars, right? Here's a new post-dated check. We're going to right. Mars instead. Right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, you could develop different theories about it. Like, why is this happening? How come we're not hearing this? You could look into that and be concerned about that. But um, I'm more of like an independently thoughtful person. Like, you can, you can um, read it yourself in Prabhupada's books. Like, even, even even going into all these specifics about the points point by point, even before that, what we discussed earlier about where are we getting knowledge from devotees might not even agree on that. Like they won't agree. Like I agree. I, I see what you're saying and I, and it, it makes a lot of sense, mm -hmm. but the epistemology itself is where like the discussion doesn't even go further than that. You know, with when you're trying to like, for example, with this podcast, now I'm going to put out a um, announcement that if there are any doctor, devotee doctors who want to come in and talk about their side of the story compared to what you're saying, hmm. 
Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear from from a doctor s- presenting on the basis of science the actual degree of certainty for each of the statements. Like there are statements right. in here that some of them lead nowhere. I don't care how many doses have been administered. You know, as far as like the collection of the statistics for how many people have been infected and died, I want to know about the experimental design and the factors. I examined those. You know, yeah. the the economic factors and everything involved in it like at primary sources i was like this would not pass a peer review into a scientific journal as an experiment but they just right. like these numbers you know like it's like shastra you know like it's eight million four hundred thousand species of life kind of numbers you know like four hundred thirty thousand years in the kali yuga it's <laughs> like you know devotees are used to hearing that so they just trot out some numbers it's like yeah okay yeah and you memorize them and now you can recite them and you're like a good devotee you know and then right. you memorize all the different slogans, like, you know, stay home, save lives, you know, be kind, you know, flatten the curve, you know, all those kind of like slogans, you just memorize them and now you're a devotee of something. Mm. But this, this, anyone who comes on and wants to speak on the basis of science needs to present the experimental design, the limitations of the experimental design and the degrees of accuracy and margin of error, and then the degree of certainty of any of the conclusions that are reached. Right. That's actual science. The science is never settled. People are like, oh, the science is settled. You know, they've gone from like, with like, um, for example, climate change or anything like that, where they're like, yeah, we have so much amount of science. So like now they can just say, oh, we have like literally months of science has been done, you know? And we did it all in parallel. You know, we had like um, so many people mobilized around the world and communicated freely and they weren't competing like they normally were and they were able to marshal all the resources they did. So we got the whole thing done in months. You know, like decades worth of science has been done in months and, you know, they're perfectly safe and effective. It's like, it's not possible theoretically to know that they're safe and effective. It's just such a bold-faced lie. They're not even pretending to do science anymore. As a scientist, I'm disgusted. It's crazy. The, the lying has become so intense now. And they're just leaning into people's social conditioning and their fear of rejection or standing out from the crowd. Yeah, and that's then a, that's a real thing. let's go full conspiracy here. Then what they've done is over time, they have engineered their way into all different kinds of organizations around the world through different mechanisms. This is a hypothesis, right? This is a hypothetical model that you can, you look at it and you go, does this explain what's happening and what kind of predictions does it make? And let me see if it corresponds and it's useful in reality. But you know, this hypothesis is that those personalities who are behind this push you know, this overarching kind of agenda that seems to be executed on the face of the Boomandala right now. That, you know, they've infiltrated various organizations through various mechanisms, funding, cognitive infiltration, um, and are now using all those different organizations to push their message. Media organizations, religious organizations. If you're looking for a theory to explain why are we hearing this from ISKCON and not hearing Shastra and not hearing Siddhanta and not hearing the distinction of the body from the soul. And they're just straight Prabhupada preaching, Janma Mrityu Jarav Vyadi, you know? You cannot solve the disease. The scientists say they will solve disease, they cannot. 
Krishna says that this world is a place of dukalayama shashvatam, misery. We're not hearing that. Why not? You know, devotees are like, oh, how could, how come we're not hearing that? Does that mean that that's not actually what we should be thinking or focusing on right now? No. Something has gone astray and it's not the Siddhanta and it's not Prabhupada's books. They have remained the same. And in those books, Prabhupada still says that they faked the moon landings or that they went somewhere other than where they said that they were going. How are you going to deal with that? See, once you go down this pathway of this other epistemology that, that the leadership is promoting right now, where that takes you to is it takes you away from Prabhupada. At, at an epistemological level, it's a philosophical deviation. Now I sound like Bhakti uh, Vakashwami, you know? I, I, everybody was like, Siddhapati's a liberal devotee, you know? He's friends with Amara Das, you know, Galva. You know, he's at the, the pride parade representing the Hare Krishna. You know, doing Hari now and there, people are like, oh, he's a Hari Krishna, he's in the gay parade, he's so brave, you know, coming out like this. I'm like, hey, I'll go gay for Krishna for two hours to do Hari Nam. <laughs> Arjuna did it for a year, right? He was hiding as a dancing, you know, right. I can do this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I'm just like, you know, four on the floor, full Prabhupada conspiracy mode, you know, like all the inconvenient truths of what Prabhupada had to say. Yeah. This is, the, this is the blessing of COVID-19. Wow. Well, we went oh, an hour and 25. Um, so, so I just want to throw out there at the end here um, that I, I, I like, you know, respectful discussion, debate. Another point that a friend was making that debate now, you know, why was debate so important in ancient India? Because people wanted to c come to conclusions by hearing the different sides, but nowadays debate is kind of like almost non-existent with even with the, such a thing as what we're talking about right now. Like we don't see very much of that, uh, and and it's a, it's unfortunate that the, that we can't see that. But in, I'm trying in my own little way in the devotee community that we can, you know, talk about both sides. So I urge anyone who wants to come and talk to Sita Padi Prabhu. And, and present the other side in a, in a really respectful way and talk about it uh, in a scientific way. And, uh, and let's see what kind of discussion we can have uh, in, in that and if someone wants to come on and talk about it. Anyways, Sita Patipuru, any, any concluding thoughts from you? I really thank you, by the way, for you know, putting, your, putting your neck out there and, and coming on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to deal with myself thinking about that. What are the consequences of this, you know? Go right. back to the second chapter of the Gita. Considering your specific duty as a Chatriya, there's nothing better for you to do than to fight for religious principles without hesitation. Right. Um, two things. You know, the fact that there is no debate about this and that the argument that is used to shut down debate is that it's so dangerous, people could die, people might be misled by what you say. It starts with a fear of death and it ends with you know, you must act to avoid the death of the material body. That's tamasic. So the fact that there's no debate on this thing is itself a big red flag about it. Like I have no problem arriving at some kind of conclusion. Yeah. You know, my son takes daily insulin injections, you know, made from a synthetic genetically engineered bacteria in Scandinavia. I took my son and my wife to the company where they make that insulin. 
and met with the CEO and the staff there and thanked them personally for keeping my son and hundreds of thousands of other children and, and adults around the world alive with what they do. Wow. And they are instruments of Krishna because no one can extend their life even for a moment. But Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, I am the healing herb, and that's like an extension of that. So I'm not like anti-science and, or anti-medicine by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But this is not science. And the epistemology is off scientifically. And more importantly, the epistemology is off in the fundamental epistemology of Krishna consciousness. And yeah. I think that, no, I know that you are courageous in doing this podcast, you know, with whatever kind of concerns that you have about yourself and your own, you know, reputation or what it might mean, or, you know, is a CIA black ops team going to come by and put you in the swimming pool? You know, like who knows, <laughs> you know, and, and I really acknowledge your, your courage in doing this. And, and in really embodying what Prabhupada wanted to create, which is a society of independently thoughtful men and women who speak on the basis of their personal realization from practicing what is found in the Shastra and in Prabhupada's instructions to us. Yeah, and at, in its Thank darkest you. hour, this movement will save humanity, and this is what it looks like. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, folks. That's, um, I don't even know what number episode. This is kind of like a, this is pre-recorded. We're, we're not doing this live just for a, n a number of reasons. But anyways, um, check out the Late Morning po Program on Facebook and YouTube, uh, latemorning.show, as well as, um, you know, their, my webpage. Um, and Sita Bhati Prabhu, hopefully we'll be seeing you again, uh, having someone else present the other side. And, and I think it would be a great discussion. Yeah, I'd love to come on and discuss it with someone, you know. It's one thing to be in your bedroom practicing your chops against like a straw man. Right, it's another right. thing to actually go into the street, you know. I'm, yes. I'm up for it, 100%. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to turn off the the, uh, the recording, but stay on. Cool.